Let's jump into 3 John. Um, 3 John is a bear. It's not a long book. It's, it's not even, I can't even say it's a long chapter. It's one chapter. Um, 13 verses, I think, 13 or 14 verses. Um, it is, um, it, it, it's, it's difficult to approach, and I'll explain it this way. So before you start reading, I did give you some homework, and so I hope you, you did go and read some of that, and I gave you a couple questions and a few statements about the book. Um, in order to, there's a linchpin to this book. In order to interpret this book, you have to understand a few things about the book, and that's not that's not un uh, that's not abnormal. Um, most books, you do need to understand the context of the book. You think about First John, right, when he's talking about um, whether or not you're saved, and uh, the linchpin of that that whole book is understanding what it means to deny the doctrines of Jesus. And so they go out from us because they were never of us. And so it's not it's not abnormal that a book requires some understanding before you really dive in and read. Um, but there is, I said this about the book last week, what is omitted from the book to me speaks in, speaks large volumes about how we should interpret that, this book. And I know that doesn't, and it's not because you're not intelligent, you are. I know that might not make full sense yet if you read the book, and I've read this book through so many times, but I never asked the right questions about this particular book um, as reading through it as I have in the last few weeks looking at it. So let me give you a couple of the who, what, where that may differ from some of the previous books. Um, who, John the Beloved, wrote the, this book, but he wrote this, obviously it's a letter, and it's a very short letter, and he wrote it to a man named Gaius. You could gay. Gaius, Gaius, whichever one, um, but he wrote it to this man named Gaius, and we don't know a lot about Gaius. Um, we don't know if he's a pastor or just a really faithful leader in the church. There's no reason to assume one way or the other, um, because honestly, there's not a huge difference between those two. Faithful servants of God that faithfully serve and lead in the church are just as much in the will of God as a pastor who would faithfully serve and lead in the church, so there's no real need to say, well, he is or he isn't. Um, just understand that he's a faithful leader of God's people, and uh, he loves Jesus. His soul is healthy. Um, one of the credits to him early on in this book. Um, the what of this book is a bit opposite of the epistle from last week, 2 John. 2 John was John saying to a specific church, not a specific man. This differs because it is to a man, this particular book. Whereas last week's letter was to the elect lady and her children, so a church, a specific church. Um, and last week's letter was written to say, hey, when heretics come through, do not help them. Don't, don't ask God's blessing on them. Don't take them into your home. Now, 3 John is almost the exact opposite side of the same coin, um, keeping, keeping the theme in mind because at the end of the book he shifts and deals with an issue, but even that issue at the end with this man named Diotrephes is still dealing with this idea, the theme of Second John, or Third John, is that you should be receiving and helping uh, laborers of the gospel, that you should be carrying them on their way, as he will say. And so the what of this book is about receiving missionaries and church planters and evangelists and carrying them on their way, providing financially for them as they go out into the world. And you're going to find, even like I said, the conflict that comes up with Diotrephes is that he is not doing that. Uh, John will spend the first part of this very short book commending Gaius for doing that, and then the last part of the book rebuking Diotrephes for refusing to do that, and there's a couple of other bigger issues, maybe not bigger issues, but they're big issues uh, that John will deal with with him. So where this one does matter, and this is why we, we don't know all the details to exactly where. We, we would assume um, because uh, history records for us John's relationship with the region of Ephesus um, that, that Gaius is a church member, a pastor, a leader in a church somewhere in Ephesus. Um, understand when a letter is written to the church in Ephesus or churches in Ephesus, don't just think of one faith Baptist church. It would be, hey, all the churches in that region. Um, you know, the book of Phili uh, Philippines, uh, uh, Philippines, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> 
I told you I'm tired. <laughs> Don't judge me, Brother Mo. Um, the book of uh, Philippians, thank you. Philippians was written to the churches in Macedonia and some of the other churches as well. So understand that. Um, but the where of this book, we again are kind of guessing. And that guess is, I hate to say this, and, and you might not like this. I'm not a huge fan of it. That guess is important when it comes to interpreting the book. Uh, understanding where he's writing to is is the linchpin of this whole book, okay? And, and you'll see in a minute. So then the why. Why of this book? The why of this book is really birthed out of, the, of a conflict. Um, I mentioned briefly uh, a moment ago the man named Diotrephes. Um, Diotrephes, we don't know... If he's a pastor, it very much seems like he is a pastor of a church uh, in Ephesus. Now, here's where it gets a little bit difficult, and I'm going to ask you to borrow some of my interpretation, and, and that doesn't come with infallibility. That it, it could be wrong, um, but I want you, before you think, oh, I don't agree with that, I want you to hold on through the study. And that's what I mean by interpreting Third John is a little bit difficult because we're interpreting it based off of things we don't necessarily know, but there's this one big detail that I'm going to get to in this book. There's only 13 or 14 verses. We'll get to it soon. But there's this one big detail we don't fully know, but in the book, it very, it, to me, it seems very, very clear that what we don't know about the book can be interpreted through that. And here's what I mean. Um, Diotrephes is a man in a church that seems to be a different church than the one that Gaius is in. That's a big deal. Um, and, and I'll explain why. When we get to that verse, I'll show you why I believe and why it, I think it, it necessitates, actually, that Diotrephes and Gaius not be in the same church. And we'll get to some of that. But Diotrephes, nonetheless, uh, he, is, he is not doing what Gaius is doing. Gaius is receiving the saints. He's receiving the missionaries. He's blessing the evangelists. He's sending them on their way, whether as a pastor or a faithful layman in the church. Uh, he is blessing the, the people who are coming through. And that ought to be true. That ought to be able to be said of all of us, right? Uh, as a pastor, I ought to have a heart for people who are coming through the ministry. And we're trying to help them on their way. And you as a church member ought to have the same heart toward those people. And so Gaius, whether he's in my position or in your position, he is faithfully stewarding the messengers that are coming through. Whereas Diotrephes, and again, just borrow my interpretation, in another church is not doing that, nor is he allowing other church members to do that. That is one of the primary reasons it seems like they're in separate churches. There's another bigger reason, but one of the primary reasons it looks like Diotrephes and Gaius are in separate churches is you'll see down in verse 9, I think, Diotrephes is actually kicking people out of the church who are trying to be a blessing to the missionaries. And so it doesn't seem like they're in the same church. It's a very different culture. Uh, Gaius is one who says, hey, when he writes to Gaius, he says, you know, all those people who are around you, who are loving and doing right, keep doing that. And then there's a very different church culture over here where the people in the church are getting kicked out for doing that. So by and large, it seems like the church culture is not that of a hospitality or a receptive congregation. And that matters more than you think. I haven't given you why, but kind of hold on to that. Um, what we're going to find in this letter is a structure, and, and it's not a structure I expected to find in this particular book, having read it through uh, as many times as I have, but going through this particular time, I, I, I've drawn out and learned some really important things, uh, and here's kind of the big takeaway for me, at least, as a pastor. What you're going to find through example and omission in 3 John is, just take this, put a pin in it, hold on, wait till we finish the book. What I believe we find in 3 John is a pattern and a structure on how churches should deal with conflict in other churches. Okay? You follow me here? And this is why it's important, whether they're in the same church or not in the same church, the interpretation of that is kind of the linchpin of, of application. If they're in the same church, 
Well, one, if they're in the same church, there's a huge problem. And that's why that, that problem, which you'll see later on, is the reason I believe conclusively that they're in separate churches. But what you find in this book is a beautiful example of what leaders of other congregations or in other congregations should do when leaders in other congregations are not right and are not doing what they ought to do. And this matters to me particularly and to you as a church because there's an unfortunate amount of drama at times between churches. Um, More than a few times as a pastor, I'll just kind of give you by way of testimony, more than a few times as a pastor, I have found my my ministry sometimes in some ways not dissimilar from why I think Gaius and Diotrephes were somewhat closely related. Sometimes in ministry, more than a few times, our ministry has intersected with another ministry where something is going really, really bad. Okay, and I don't have time to testify, but the church I grew up in, some of the, the, the churches that we've served with in camp, and there have been moments where in our congregation, it's like, oh, there's something going on over there. What should we do about it? And you're actually going to find, and I'm giving you away the whole like, book, what you're going to find is that John doesn't give him any instructions. He doesn't say, lead the crusade. He doesn't say, here's how you address this. You're going to find one singular piece of advice that John gives in this book, and what is omitted speaks volumes, okay? So I hope I've kind of whet your appetite a little bit, um, and we'll get to it as we walk through the text there. But again, this linchpin detail that we have to settle up front is which church was Gaius a part of. You cannot interpret this book, and you can't, well, let me say, you can't make application until you make interpretation, and you cannot interpret this book until you know, or at least have a good idea, of whether or not Gaius was a part of the church Diotrephes was. And so here are our two options. Number one, he was a member of the church that Diotrephes leads. That's option one. I don't think that's true. Option two is that he is a pastor, a leader, a church member of another nearby church. Now, again, the issue we have is the scripture does not conclusively tell us that answer. The evidence, however, and I'll give you two reasons for it. The evidence points to the idea or the reality, I think a reality, that he is in another church. And here are the two important reasons why I think that is. Number one, Diotrephes, like I mentioned, is kicking people out of the church for doing what Diotrephes is known for doing. Okay? And so if, Deo- or if, I'm sorry, Diotrephes is kicking people out for things Gaius is known for doing, and the people around Gaius are doing it, and Paul seems to say, hey, you're doing a great job, keep on doing it, whereas the people over here seem to either be kicked out or be supportive of what Diotrephes is doing. Number two, and this is key, this is key, this is what I mean by something omitted that speaks volumes. Number two, and this, is, this would be hugely problematic if Gaius and, and Diotrephes were in the same church, here's the second and primary reason I don't believe they were in the same church. Gaius is given zero instruction on how to deal with Diotrephes. And I am fully in, I think the harmony of scripture would support that if Gaius was in the church Diotrephes was in, that John would have given him instruction on how to deal with that wayward pastor. Because, now you'll find in verse number 9 that John does write to the church that that Diotrephes is a part of. And we don't have that letter. I wish we did. I assume John addressed the issue of Diotrephes in that letter. But in the letter he writes to Gaius, he gives him zero instruction. He doesn't tell him, hey, you know what? You need to call the elders of the church together and address Diotrephes. In fact, the only thing he's going to say is, hey, don't follow his example. And I know I'm giving you the whole book away before we read a single verse. He says, don't follow his example. And when, if I come, if, not when, but if I come, I'll deal with him myself, okay? So those, those things, again, I hate to even give you the whole, like, 
interpretation of the book up front, but we have to do that um, up front because if Gaius were a part of the church, like I said, I believe God, God and John would have given him some instruction, but the absence of instruction speaks volumes um, to me. So keep that in your pocket. Let's jump into the text. If you disagree with me, you think they're the same church, well, one, that creates a lot of problems because if that were the case, and just kind of follow me here. If you, I hope you're engaged. I know I'm, I'm going a lot, of, a, a lot of different places before we read. If Gaius and Diotrephes were in the same church, that would be massively problematic. Because that would mean for you that if I was leading incorrectly, your only recourse would be, hey, you make sure you're doing right. Which is not the only recourse a church has. If a pastor is leading incorrectly, there are plenty of examples in other passages of scripture on how to address it. And if, if Diotrephes, or forgive me, if Gaius was in this church, number one, he's a leader in the church. Number two, John would have said something, hey, this is how you deal with Diotrephes. Because in other passages, the Bible very clearly tells us how to deal with a wayward pastor. But in this instance, it very clearly seems like they are in separate ministries. And here's what John is saying to him. Hey, Gaius, you're in the region of this guy. Let me just tell you what he's doing is wrong. You go ahead and make sure what you're doing is right. And I'll deal with him. He's not your problem. Okay? So keep that in mind. That's all the big interpretive application part. Now let's jump into the text. And uh, 3 John chapter 1, verse number 1 says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. You're going to see in a moment, it looks like Gaius is a convert of John the Beloved. In uh, I think it's verse number uh, 3 and 4, you'll see some of that. But he says, hey, you're my well-beloved follower of Jesus Christ. You, I love you in the truth. Our relationship is based upon the truth of Jesus Christ. Verse number 2. Beloved, talking of Gaius, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now, real quick, we don't, the Bible doesn't tell us that Gaius is sick, but through observation of that text, what he says is, hey, I wish your body was as healthy as your soul. So it's not an inappropriate interpretation to say, Gaius may very well have been sick. Gaius may very well, his body is, is not doing well, but his soul is flourishing. And the next verse is going to say something along the same idea. that Like, hey, you're growing, and I rejoice that my children walk in truth. And I, but he says this in verse number two, that I wish above all things, my heart's desire is that you would prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Now, there's an application that's completely separate from the main theme of the book, but here's the, the slight application or a small application for us. Physically, we may not be doing well, but our spirit can be flourishing. And so I don't know the details of Gaius. I don't know if he was sick. I don't know if he was sick unto death. I, we don't know anything about Gaius except for what we learn in this book. And it seems to be that he's not doing well physically. But he says, and, and how does John know this? I'm going to give you a little bit of a, of a cherry pick ahead of, the, uh, ahead of what we're going to read. But there were men that John had sent out that had come back and told of Gaius's hospitality. And they must have brought back some information that, hey, he, he loved us and he, pay, he paid for our way and he helped us but he's not doing well physically. But his spirit is flourishing, and that's what John seems to major on. Um, look at verse number four. I'm sorry, verse number three. I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. And what he's saying is, hey, these brethren that we're going to learn more about in the coming verses, they went out and you received them. The same brethren went to, uh, went to Diotrephes and he did not receive them. So again, there's a, there's a bit of a... Of a um, juxtaposition is the right word, but there's a bit of a, of a contrast here. And that's why I think they're in separate churches. Hey, you went, they went to Gaius, and they were well-received and ter- cared for and loved. They went over here, and they were rejected, and they were mocked, and he pratted against them. So again, there's, there's, there's two opposite uh, observations of these two, two people. Um, he says, I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified to the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. Now, these brethren that went out from John, they would have been followers of John. They would have been uh, evangelists. And, and here's some, some neat things. If you want to write it down, you can look up the, the man named uh, Eusebius, 
and uh, Polycarp. They were disciples of John the Beloved. We have much of their actual writings today. And uh, we don't, I, don't, I don't carry with them the same weight of Scripture or the same uh, preservation I do of Scripture. But you, we have writings today preserved for us, um, at least in large part, of, the, of two of the disciples of John. And they could have been in that group. Um, we, we know that there's probably one guy who's in that group, and he's mentioned at the end of the letter, but we'll see him in a second. So verse number four says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So this is, again, evidence supporting the idea that Gaius would have been a con- of John the Beloved. Now we're getting into the meat of the message, okay? So normally in any epistle, the pro- there's, there's introductory thoughts. The problem is four verses of a 13, 14 verse chapter is it's a lot of the book. So now we're getting into the heart of it. Verse 5. It says, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. He says, you've been faithful in loving and supporting the brethren who've come through. Verse 6. Which have borne witness of thy charity before the church. Now, real quick, if so, what he says is these people have come back to the church, the church that John's a part of, and they have testified of your faithfulness and your generosity. Uh, keep reading verse 6. Whom, if they, thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Now, that is an important statement here. He says, Gaius, you've been reported as loving these people, but you've also been reported as being faithful in, and look at the phrase that he uses, thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort. This idea of bringing forward is talking about physically and financially caring for these people as they go forward into the gospel. In fact, Paul says this of the church at Rome. He says, hey, when I go, I want you to carry me forward uh, into Spain. That was his heart's desire. And so let me just say this. This is why we as a church take up love offerings. This is why we as a church try to care for the people that God sends through our congregation. This is why we as a church try to support uh, missionaries and preachers of the gospel and uh, church planters. That's why we try to do that. Let me just say, if that bothers you, then, then do two things. Keep that to yourself and two... Don't give. That's fine. You're not required to do that. But again, it is important. This is an expectation that John gives to Gaius to say, hey, and in fact, that's why I said hold on to this. One of the biggest issues of Diotrephes is, yes, he he desires to have the preeminence. But in desiring to have the preeminence, he did not help those co-laborers on their way. And so if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But as a church, that should be our heartbeat to help those who come through our ministry and are trying to plant and trying to evangelize and trying to reach the world that we have a part in that process. And again, if ever there was a book that supported the idea of supporting missionaries and evangelists and loving folks uh, who are laboring in the gospel, it would be for uh, Third John because it's the heartbeat of the whole book. Um, so keep reading verse number 7. He says, because that for his name's sake, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. He gives a reason why Gaius and we as the readers and Gaius' church and why Diotrephes' church should have done this but didn't. He gives a reason why they should support and carry them forward on their way. Did you notice? Because that for his, God's name's sake, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. He says they went forth not to make money, and they didn't, they're not making money through the, 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 the lost world. They're choosing to live of the gospel, and we talked about that in our men's meeting back there. But the idea is that they are full-time laboring in gospel ministry, and they're not getting rich by the hand of the Gentiles. But he says it's our responsibility, and Gaius, I'm telling you, you're doing a great job at this, to carry them forward because they didn't, they didn't try to get rich, and they're not, they're not supporting themselves through the means of the world. But for the sake, uh, for his name's sake, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. Verse number 8. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Now, that word idea of receiving in the, the New Testament and the Old Testament carries a very different connotation than it does in our day. 
Oftentimes when we receive someone into our house, we would, you know, if you, you're, you should be given the hospitality. The idea is, hey, you take someone to your house, you feed them, and then you send them back to their house. But in the New Testament, what they would do is when you'd receive someone, and you can find different stories in the Old Testament even where this happened, where they received someone to their house and they cared for them. They, they, they helped, they paid their rent, they took care of them, they paid for their food, and then they sent them on their way for gospel ministry. And that's one of the primary ways Paul was even able to carry the gospel to the Gentiles because people received him into their house. And again, notice what it says again. We, therefore, ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. That we are helping the truth. When we give to a missionary, you know what we're doing? Being fellow helpers of the truth. When we give to a, a pastor or a, a church planter or someone who's carrying the gospel forth, we are being fellow helpers of the truth. And there are times where we fellow help another church or take care of a need for another church, and that's important. Uh, and this, now notice, in contrast to Gaius, his, his generous spirit, now we get to the con, a, a conflict side of this coin. Verse number 9, he says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Now, real quick interpretation, sidebar, verse number nine, the front end of it would be the only reason anyone would interpret that Gaius and Diotrephes are a part of the same church. But I have an answer for that. Look at verse number nine again. I wrote unto the church, not I wrote unto that church. Well, the problem with that, and that, that seems like a logical reading of it, but the problem is that John already used the phrase the church in reference to the church he was a part of. He said, hey, and they told it to the church. Well, this is very clearly not the same church that Diotrephes is a part of because those people who John had sent were rejected from that church went to, or at some point were with Gaius and came back and told John at the church about Gaius's generosity. So here when he's saying the church, he again used the church already to describe the church that John was at where he heard news of Gaius, and it's very clearly not the same church. Um, so look at verse number 9 again. I wrote unto the church, but Geotrophies, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, received us not. So here's the big picture that we kind of draw out of the text that John had sent forth laborers. Gaius had received them. Diotrephes had not received them. In fact, uh, 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 John had sent them on, on his behalf with, with a letter to say, hey, help us on our ministry, and he wouldn't help them, and he wouldn't care for them, and he wouldn't provide for them, and he wouldn't lodge them, and he wouldn't give to them because, and the reason he gives, it was all about him. He wanted to have the preeminence. He didn't want any other leaders in the church. He didn't want anybody, even with John. This is crazy to me. You have John. This is, we are in the apostolic age. The apostles are still alive. We're probably, it's probably just John still alive at this point. But here you have maybe the last living apostle sending by his own hand a letter with co-laborers into the church that Diotrephes is leading. And Diotrephes says, nope, just me. Well, that's a terrible spirit. That's a terrible spirit. Again, I... <laughs> I wouldn't expect to have the same open door if I sent letters. You know, like, let's say I send Brother Reese, hey, I want you to go over to Lompoc Valley Baptist Church and, and uh, hey, give, you know, Pastor Collins this letter on my behalf. I would expect Lompoc Valley Baptist Church to receive Brother Reese, but that's, that's based on just my friendship with the church there. Here you have an apostle, <laughs> the beloved apostle, writing, and Diotrephes says, nope, nobody else, it's just me, it's just us. And so he refuses to care for these co-laborers. And notice what he does. Or we'll notice what John says, verse number 10. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he, which he do, uh, doeth. Pratting, not only did he reject them, pratting against us with malicious words. That idea of pratting, he's, he's going around and he's tailbearing and he's spreading gossip uh, in this congregation. Uh, pratting against us with malicious words and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbid them that would and casteth them out of the church. 
It's, it's crazy to me. And, and I, I do love this. So, well, let's take a look at the culture of the church that Diotrephes is in. He is prating against them. He's talking maliciously about them. And he, anybody who's rising up against him, he's kicking out of the church, which, again, is, is, that would require some level of authority, um, whether it's the bishopric. Uh, I think it probably does. But now get ready. Here comes the, the big salacious plan. Well, let me back up for a second. John says this. I love that the, sons of thun- the son of thunder still exists inside of old man John. He says, listen, if I come, I'll deal with him personally. I'll take care. I'll call him on the carpet myself. Could you imagine the apostle? Like, there's no context in which we could, like, make application. Like, you know, if somebody was talking about bad about the pastor and the pastor walked in, like, oh, no. No, no, no. This is the apostle John. This isn't just a pastor walking in. This is the apostle John still living and breathing saying, if I come, if I come, I'm going to talk to Geotrophies myself. Now here comes the big piece of instruction. What do you do, Gaius, if you have this man doing what he's doing in such malicious ways? Here's the instruction, verse 11. This is the primary reason I think they're in separate churches. Beloved, Gaius, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, and he that doeth evil is not of God. Now listen, that's it. That's the, that's, that's the extent of the instruction. In the next verse, John is actually on to his closing statements. He's going to recommend the guy probably carrying the letter, and he's, he's, he's off the topic. But here's what he says to Gaius. Gaius, don't be like him. Now, in my heart, I'm like, John, tell him to lead the coup. There's no plan for a revolt. There's no church discipline. There's no removal committee. There's no voting. There's no hostile takeover. Are you saying that there shouldn't be? No, 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 no. I I think there should be. I think the Bible very clearly makes provision for dealing with an elder who is not doing his job. But what I'm saying is because there is no instruction, it very clearly, at least to me, seems like Gaius is in a completely different church. And he just says, hey, I'm letting you know, you've probably heard, maybe some members have come over from their church, but I want you to know, and he doesn't tell them, get over there and lead the coup against them. He just says, I just want you to know, do not follow after him. Don't follow his example. And that's just the point. It's my guess that John addresses the church in the letter he references in verse number 9. When he said, hey, I already wrote to the church. Uh, and I, 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 Now, whether that was on the front end when Diotrephes rejected them or, or maybe they had already tried and John sent another letter to them, we don't all, all the way know. But John had written another letter to that particular church. But in 3 John, we have the letter to a person who, according to all evidence, uh, uh, and this massive omission on what to do, seems like he's a part of another church. And John writes him not to lead a coup, not to overthrow the autonomy of another church, not to lord over another body of believers, but John simply writes to say this, don't follow their examples. So what can we learn from this? This is, this is the part I, I really wanted to get because I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm saying. I, I am saying there, there is a recourse method for dealing with that. And I'm saying because John doesn't give it to Gaius, who's obviously a leader in whatever church he's a part of, I'm saying it seems like they're very separate from each other. So what can we learn from this? Well, number one, churches have autonomy. Okay, so the church across town is not under my jurisdiction, nor is it under your jurisdiction, nor should it have to be, which is a relief to me because there are times where I'm looking out across the landscape thinking somebody's got to deal with that. Somebody should deal with that. And, and to a certain degree, we're allowed to. And that's what we find in point number two. Is it a bishop who does fail should be an example in other flocks. You understand what I'm saying? So if a pastor across town fails, if there's something that goes on up in Fresno and there's a a moral failure, it's not my job and it's not your job to lead a coup to go save that church. It is our job to say, hey, listen, what that brother did was wrong and we as a church are not going to follow that example. 
which is all that God give, or all that John gives to Gaius. Um, number three, a church has the authority. I'm talking about Diotrephes' churches now. Church now, a church has the authority and responsibility to deal with their own internal conflicts. Okay, um, there is no outside witch hunt needed. Though sometimes we think we, man, I could be the savior of that church. In fact, there have been a couple of times, and I'll just be real honest with you. I hate that this has happened, but there have been a couple of times in my pastor in the last eight years where a pastor has called me and said, now, did you hear about that other church? We need to go over there and deal with that matter. And thus far, I've said, well, I'll deal with what part of it I have to, and I'll step in where needed, and I'll speak to the truth, and I'm not going to let Diotrephes have a perfect testimony. The whole idea of touch not thine anointed. You know, stop talking about pastors, okay, just for your sake. Um, but the idea of, and this happened, this happened about a year ago. A pastor called and was like, we're going to get some pastors together. We're going to go over there. We're going to vote him out of that church. I wish I had done the study on Third John I'd already done this week. Like, hey, I think what we probably ought to do is say, hey, brother so-and-so is not qualified to hold that position. But his church has the responsibility to deal with that themselves. And they should deal with it themselves. That, that becomes the biggest, again, omission in this particular story. It doesn't seem like their church was dealing with it. It seems like they were okay with it. And I, I don't want to read into Scripture what's not there. But he's still the pastor. He's still the leader, Diotrephes. He's kicking people out of the church. Why didn't the church just say, hey, we'll boot you? <laughs> like, I don't understand why that didn't happen. Well, because, and you've seen it and I've seen it, unfortunately, sometimes churches' cultures are so corrupt, they're totally fine with Diotrephes. And that's garbage. Which is why I think John doesn't tell Diotrephes to lead the coup. Because here comes Diotrephes. I keep mixing their names up. I'm sorry. I hope you, I'm pointing over here. I'm talking about Gaius, okay? <laughs> or Gaius. Which is why I think, could you imagine if Gaius got on his horse and rode over there to Diotrephes' church and said, this guy's wrong. He's going to end up with egg on his face because everybody that's still there is fine with it. And you know why that normally happens? Because they desire to have the preeminence too. There's normally a church culture when a man wants the preeminence that everybody below him only plays his game because they think if I play his game long enough, then I get to be in charge. Then I get to be in charge over this. And so nobody wants to upset the balance of authority because, well, we're all playing the same game. And that's not Gaius' responsibility. Gaius is loving his church and loving the people in his congregation, whether he's the pastor or a church member. And he says, hey, listen, Gaius, I'm writing to tell you one He's not maybe who you think he is, and that's okay. I think it's fine if a pastor stands up and says, hey, this church, this is not right. We're going to deal with it in our, where, as it relates to our church, we're going to deal with it, but this is, this is as far as we need to go with it, and that's what happens with Gaius particularly. Um, so uh, a couple of things to note, I mentioned a few of them already, is number one, that Diotrephes' church already knows what kind of man he is, okay? So it's their responsibility, and in some respects, their fault that he's continuing to do what he's doing, and they are responsible for dealing with it. It's their flock, they chose that man, and they have not dealt with him. It's not, not Gaius' responsibility to go in there as the white knight and try to overthrow him. You're going to end up with egg on your face for the most part. Um, and so I, let's, uh, let's jump to verse number 11. He's going to close out the book. So we got our marching orders as far as what do we do when we see a church failing biblical expectations. Verse number 11 says this, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, and he that doeth evil hath not seen God. And so, listen, John doesn't take it easy on Diotrephes. He doesn't say, well, you know, let's just... No, no example needed. No, sometimes there's an example needed, especially of a bishop rebuking before all that others fear and tremble. But keep reading. Now, in contrast to Diotrephes, we find this man Demetrius. Verse number 12. Demetrius hath a good report of all men. Um, now, here's an example to follow. Demetrius. And, and we don't know a lot about Demetrius. Uh, we, I don't know if we hear of him any other place in Scripture, but um, he is perhaps the bearer of the letter, this third letter of John to Gaius. And he's on his own journey in the gospel ministry. And, and John is writing to Gaius to say, hey, listen, Forget about that. 
deal with that with, you know, in whatever context you need to hear. Don't follow their example. But Demetrius, he's got something, and, and he has a good testimony. Uh, he hath a good report of all men, keep reading verse 12, and of the truth itself, and, is also, uh, and we also bear record, and we know that, he, uh, that our record is true. So he's recommending um, Demetrius on his way to Gaius, and he's not going to send him to, to uh, Diotrephes. Verse number 13. I had many things to write, but I, wouldn't, I will not with ink and pen write unto thee, verse number 14, but I trust and shall shortly see, that I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face, peace be unto thee, or to thee, my, uh, our friends, salute thee, greet the friends in my name. Now, that again, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but that again is solid proof they're in separate churches, because John the Beloved has friends in Gaius' congregation. He says, hey, greet those brethren. They love me. I love them. They're great. Hey, send Demetrius on his way, but thank you, and, and tell my friends that I love them. Again, John can't even crack the door at the church of Diotrephes um, that he has there. And so there's a lot here. There's a lot missing. And I think, I don't want to say what's missing speaks more than what's present, but I think what's present emphasizes a lot of what's missing and that we do have a responsibility for our church. And that's been a huge theme for me this year um, as we've talked about different things. And man, should we do this? Shouldn't we do this? Other churches do it that way. And I can't tell you how many times the, the Lord has just brought this conclusion to my mind. We are responsible for our flock. Amen. I'm not responsible for what another church does. Right. I am responsible for what our church does. We are responsible for what our church does. And we can get all caught up in arms in a couple of different ways. We can get all up in arms after other churches, and that's our responsibility, and we're going to go police every other congregation. And that's wrong, I think, too. I don't think it's wrong to make an example of it, but I think it's wrong if we spend our efforts trying to change every other church to be like ours. That's, that's not how this works. But I also think there's an issue over here is if while we are ministering in our congregation, we're thinking, well, the other church does it that way. We should do it this way. Now, again, if a church is doing it biblically, we should do it biblically, but not because another church does it. Um, and so Gaius' church has a very healthy church culture, and the church of, uh, where Demetrius or uh, where Diotrephes is does not have a healthy church culture. But each church is responsible for their own church culture, and each church is going to have to police their membership and their leadership. And so we'll go ahead.